0: Microsoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. The Thorn in the Nest, Episode 14. One beautiful October day, two well-mounted gentlemen, each followed by his servant, came galloping into chilly coffee and halted at Major Lamar's door. In the one, the Major instantly recognized an old friend and companion-in-arms, Captain Bernard, now a wealthy Virginia planter. The other was introduced as an English gentleman, Mr. Lysander Littleton his guests for some weeks, whom he had persuaded to accompany him on a visit to this new state, of whose beauty and fertility they had heard the most flattering accounts. The Major gave them a hearty welcome and proffered the hospitalities of his house, a larger and more commodious dwelling than the one he had occupied at the beginning of our story. Tig was summoned to take charge of the servants and horses, and the major himself conducted his guests to the parlor and introduced them to his wife and sister. Dinner was already on the table, two more plates were added, and they sat down to partake of the meal. But while in the act of taking their places, their number was augmented by a new arrival, a very plainly dressed, sober-looking man, who came in with the air of one who felt quite at home giving and receiving a cordial greeting. Ah, Tommy, said the Major, shaking hands with him, you are just in time. Tig set up a chair and brings another plate for Mr. Deal. Having been introduced in due form to the other guests, and requested to ask a blessing, the newcomer bowed his head over his plate, each one present copying his example, outspread hands and closed eyes poured out a long prayer of fervent thanksgiving for the food set before them, and all other blessings, temporal and spiritual, mingled with much humble confession of sin, and very many petitions, winding up with this remarkable one, O Lord, we beseech Thee to go into the highways and byways and hedges of our hearts and drive out the Canaanites and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Parasites and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. The elders of the family preserved a grave and decorous silence to the end, which the guests and the children had some difficulty in doing, the latter, especially the little boys, being almost convulsed with suppressed laughter. At length the Amen was pronounced. Mrs. Lamar, hearing it with an involuntary sigh of relief, for she had been very uncomfortably conscious that her dinner was growing cold, and she particularly prided herself on always having her meats and vegetables served up hot. She mentally resolved to enjoin it upon the major never again to call upon Tommy Deal to ask a blessing when other guests were present. But the guests showed no lack of appreciation of the fare, partaking of it with keen appetites and praising the viands with stint without stint. Such game as this would be considered a rarity in my country, remarked Littleton, as the major heaped his plate for the second or third time, but I presume it is abundant here. Plenty of it to be had for the shooting, was the reply. Our woods are full of wild fowl, deer, bears, rabbits, squirrels, and coons, and the rivers abound in fish, and such crops of corn as are raised in this scyota valley you never saw, I venture to say. I'm glad you've come out here, Bernard. I shall take delight in showing you the land." "'Ah, the Major is riding his hobby now,' laughed Mrs. Lamar. He is quite convinced that Ohio—you know, we have just been admitted into the Union, Mr. Littleton—is the finest of all the states." The Englishman bowed in assent, a half-mocking smile playing about his lips. Nell saw it, and her eyes flashed. She thought he despised her country. How long since you left England?" asked the Major, addressing Littleton, and then began an animated discussion of the political situation uh, in Europe, the attitude of France and England toward each other, the career of Bonaparte, then the French Revolution, particularly the Reign of Terror, Mr. Littleton greatly interesting the company by a graphic description of those of its scenes of which he had been an eye-witness. He turned frequently to Nell as he spoke, for he read intense interest in her bated breath, changing color, the kindling of her eye when he told of some heroic deed, the tears that suffused it, and the tumultuous heaving of her breast when the anguish of the wretched victims was his theme. A connoisseur of female beauty, he was struck with admiration at the first sight of Nell, the delicacy of her complexion, the perfect symmetry. Of form and features, the queenly grace of every movement, and the abundant wealth of beautiful hair that crowned her shapely head. There was no little display of artistic taste in its arrangement and in the simple elegance of her attire. Littleton mentally pronounced Claire also a fine looking and intelligent woman. She bore a prominent part in the conversation, while Nell con- contented herself almost entirely with silent listening though from neither lack of ideas nor bashfulness as her speaking countenance and quiet ease of manner fully attested. Littleton wanted to draw her out, to hear her opinion on some of the controverted points, so seated himself at her side, when the dining-room had been forsaken for the parlor, and asked what she thought of the sentiments expressed by himself and others. He found she had an opinion, and was able to maintain it with spirit and ability. They were still talking earnestly when Kenneth came in, so earnestly that they were not aware of his entrance until the Major pronounced his name in introducing Captain Bernard, Dr. Clinton. Littleton turned hastily at the sound, and scanned the tall, manly figure and noble face with ill-concealed eagerness and curiosity. Then, as the major named him Mr. Littleton, lately from England, rose with a slight bow, and accepted Kenneth's offered hand with a show of cordially, and a most happy to meet you, sir. But neither then nor afterward did he give his acquaintance with Marian, or his visit to the neighborhood of Glen Forest. He had read Marion's nature, delicate, sensitive, reserved, and felt sure that she would confide to no one the secret of their solitary rampage their stolen interviews, much less of the wooing of his looks and tones, scarcely put into plain words by his wily tongue. I have not committed myself, did not ask her to be my wife, or even say I love you, was his inward thought, and she would die rather than own that she had been so lightly won. Kenneth declined an invitation to be seated. I am summoned in haste to a very sick patient, he said, and merely stepped in, in passing, to ask Mrs. Lamar's kind offices for another who is suffering from the lack of proper nursing those poor devils of country doctors have a hard life of it remarked Littleton super when Kenneth had gone it is a noble self-sacrificing life repented Lionel with some hauteur I know of none that is more so than Dr. Clendenin's she would not have Kenneth pitied or patronized by his ins- this insolent stranger and she glanced with scorn at the white hands, delicate and shapely, almost as a woman's, one of which was toying with the seals of a heavy gold watch-chain, in a way to display to advantage a brilliant gem that glittered on the little finger. They they were alone at the moment, the Major and his friend having followed Mrs. Lamar and Kenneth to the outer door. Littleton lifted his eyebrows meaningly, and with a slight, expressive shrug of the shoulder's "Ah," I beg pardon Miss Lamar, an intimate and particular friend of yours i was not aware of it and in fact was merely speaking in the of the class in general and i was defending the whole profession remarked Nell, of which dr clennon our family physician is a representative to us we owe him much for his kind and faithful services in more than one dangerous illness among us Lilton remarked that her sentiments did her honor, then with a desire to introduce a fresh topic. You have an odd character in that Mr. Deal, he said, or is that the sort of grace usual at meals in this part of the world? I never heard such from any one else, Nell answered with gravity. He is an excellent man, but slightly deranged. There was a meeting of one of our church courts in town yesterday, and he always attends, but he has gone now to his home, and we shall probably see no more of him for some time. "'I'm going with the Major to take a look at the town. "'Will you go along, Mr. Littleton?' "'Captain Bernard spoke from the open door. "'Thank you, yes.' "'And with a courteous good afternoon to Nell, "'Littleton followed the others into the street. "'He had come to Chillicothe with the undivulged intention "'of taking up his residence there for some months, "'and having made the tour of the town, "'he called at the General Anthony Wayne "'and engaged board and lodging for himself and servant.' his choice secretly influenced by the discovery that it was there that dr clenninen took his meals for littleton had his own private reasons for wishing to see and hear all he could of kenneth and his manner of life captain bernard made a like arrangement though for a shorter period of time then having seen their luggage bestowed in their rooms and refreshed themselves by change of linen they returned to the majors for the rest of the day and evening in accordance with his urgent invitation Mrs. Lamar, being still absent on her errand of mercy, it fell to Nell's lot to do the honors of the tea-table, a duty of which she acquitted herself with an ease and grace that increased the admiration Littleton had already conceived for her. Primitive customs still prevailed in Chillicothe. The tea-hour was so early that when they rose from the table the sun had scarcely set behind the western hills. And the hunter's moon shone full-orbed over the tree tops. The captain proposed a walk, remarking that the evening was much too fine to be spent within doors. And he and the major set off together, strolling along in a leisurely fashion, smoking and talking of the days of old Lang Syne. They had invited Nell and Littleton to accompany them, but both had declined, the one pleading the necessity of tending to some domestic duty, devolving upon her and her sister's absence, the other that he found himself already sufficiently fatigued with riding and walking. Never mind me, Major, he says, seating himself in the porch and coaxing little three-year-old Bertie to his knee. I'll amuse myself with these little folks till you return. He soon had the whole flock about him, telling them stories and singing them songs, and they were having a merry time when Aunt Nell came to the door to say that it was their bedtime, and Maria was waiting. Daylight and quite faded out of the sky, and the air grown so chill that the warmth of the blazing wood fire in the parlor was far from unpleasant to Littleton, as he followed the children into the house. Begging the guest to excuse her for a moment, and to make himself entirely at home, Nell went away with Maria and the children. Littleton stood by the fire, musing, What a handsome girl, and her manners would not disgrace the court. She's some years older, and more formed than Clannanin's sister, quite as fine-looking too, though in an entirely different style of beauty, not over twenty, I should say. The other I take to be fifteen, and admires her vastly. I saw that in his glance and that he saw in me a possible rival well i shall enjoy getting into her good graces none the less for that two candles were burning on the table and beside them a piece of delicate embroidery which Nell took up on her return to the room Littleton drew a chair to her side and exerted his conversational powers to the utmost for her entertainment. Evidently, not without success, her low musical laugh rang out again and again. She gave him many a bright glance from her liquid eyes and many a quick word of repartee. He grew more and more interested in her and congratulated himself on his good fortune in having come upon such a gem here in the wilderness. Suddenly he started, turned pale, and half rose from his chair with a low exclamation of fear or dismay. His eyes seemed fixed upon some object behind Neil, whose back was toward the hall door, and she turned her head hastily to see what it was. A tall Indian, dressed in native costume, tomahawk and scalpy knife in his belt, and feathers in his hair, stood there regarding the Englishman with a contemptuous smile. Ugh! "'Big baby!' he grunted. Willaway!" cried Nell, springing up and shaking hands with the chief in the most cordial manner. "'You are welcome, always welcome, to my brother's wigwam. "'Mr. Littleton, you need not be alarmed. Willaway is my very good friend "'and has always been a brother to the white man.' The Major, coming in at that moment with Captain Bernard, echoed his sister's words of welcome. As he grasped the man's hand and shook it heartily, The captain did likewise, gazing with admiration upon the tall, sinewy form and well-developed limbs of this untutored son of the forest. Leaving the gentlemen to entertain each other, Nell led the way to the dining-room, and with her own fair hands set before her while Willoway had an abundant supply the best food the house afforded. He ate heartily, then wrapped his blanket about him, stretched himself up on the kitchen floor with his feet to the fire. Pray do not deem me a coward, Littleton, said in a low aside to Nell on her return to the parlor. It was my first sight of an Indian. I unarmed, and I expected to see that tomahawk go crashing through your brain. I shall endeavor to make all due allowance, Nell answered courteously. but he fancied that he read contempt in the smile that accompanied her words. It nettled him, and he mentally resolved to seize the first opportunity of proving to her that he was not lacking in courage. Thank you for listening to another episode of Akersoft's Story Classic.